Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. I was speaking with the Calvary St. George's uh, parishioner yesterday morning, and I was telling him that I was going to preach this morning on denying ourselves and taking up our crosses, and he said, oh great, I am not going to like that sermon. So... Hopefully, the Lord will speak through it. But I want to begin by telling you about something that happened uh, several years ago at my church up in Springfield, Massachusetts. I was in the back of the church in the middle of the week, and I saw, sitting on top of the guest book, um, a small envelope. And inside it, there was a handwritten note that was a prayer. The note was a prayer to God, and it was written by someone named Diane. I don't know who Diane was. I assume she had wandered into the church during the week to simply sit quietly in the pews. But let me read to you her prayer. Dearest God, I have tried over and over again, and I cannot be as good as I am expected to be. I have failed you in all ways except one. I still believe in your love. Help me, please, Diane. I cannot be as good as I am expected to be. Can you hear in those words the pain of a separation? The pain of a separation between who Diane is and who she believes she needs to be in order to be loved. Can you also hear an echo of Diane's words in a hymn that we're going to sing together during communion. Uh, It's hymn 686, and in the third verse there are these words. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Well, I love God, but the bent of my nature, the DNA of my redeemed spirit, makes me prone to wander prone to leave, makes me prone to live with this separation that Diane understands. Let me ask you if you can also hear an echo of Diane's prayer in the gospel that Ben just read for us. This scene is all about Jesus hearing Diane's prayer and doing something about it. And it's also about our old friend St. Peter also hearing Diane's prayer and then coming up with exactly the wrong response. So just before this scene opens, Jesus has this spectacular revelation. And you remember, Jesus said, who are people saying I am? And they say, well, it's John the Baptist or Elijah or Moses or somebody else. And Jesus says, yes, but who do you think I am? And Peter has this amazing revelation. He gets it. He says, you are the Messiah. But then, in the gospel that Ben just read, this plot thickens because Jesus tells his disciples that he's going to suffer. And he's going to be rejected, and he's going to be killed, and he's going to rise again. And then comes this verse. He said all this quite openly. Jesus doesn't want any followers under false pretenses. He spells it out. He's the Messiah, and he's come to die. And what does Peter do? Well, he grabs Jesus, and he takes him aside, and he tries to reason with him. Because all of his life, 
Peter has equated the idea of messiahship with power and control. And so this insane equation of messiahship with suffering and death is so incomprehensible that Peter, he doesn't just reason with Jesus, he actually gets angry with him. He says, Jesus, you may be the Messiah, but you have got some things that you need to learn about this job. And how does Jesus respond? He looks his best friend straight in the eye and he calls him Satan. He says to Peter that nothing is more important than the death of the Messiah. Jesus is anointed to die. And then, in order to make sure that Peter's arguments haven't infected the rest of the disciples, Jesus gets them all together and he makes this statement. If any of you want to be my followers, then deny yourselves and take up your crosses and follow me. Now, when Jesus says, take up your cross, he is not inviting you and me to endure like a stoic the bad things that happen to good people. This command is much more devastating than that. He is talking here about denying our very selves. He is talking here about you and me dying on a cross of love for other people. And the point is very simple. We are unable to follow this devastating command. We cannot in the deepest sense deny ourselves for we would therefore die. We cannot in the deepest sense take up our crosses, for we would thereby be crucified. Or if we could do it, it would be for somebody we love, maybe our child or our spouse. But think about somebody you don't particularly like, maybe can't stand. Deny yourself for that idiot? Throw yourself in front of a bus to save that jerk? Take a bullet for that really awful person? So in fact, this command is finally not a command. It is instead a description. It's a description of the life in God's kingdom. It is not a prescription on how to get there. It is a description of life in God's kingdom in which the self has actually begun to move a little bit away from the center. It's a description of life in God's kingdom in which we begin to be so gripped and so overwhelmed by God's love for us that a cross-like love begins to enter into our spirits as well. The prescription for how to get into that kingdom is given by St. Paul when he says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Loved us enough to deny himself for us. Loved us enough to take up his cross for us. Loved us enough to become a crucified Messiah for us loved us enough to rise again as a resurrected Messiah for you and me. So what a wild paradox that you and I are invited to rejoice in bearing crosses. 
And here's a little picture of how that can be. During World War II in France, a young Jewish husband and wife had a baby named Jane. And the fateful day finally arrived when Jane's mother and father, along with hundreds of other Jews, were driven into the streets and driven toward the train station where the cattle cars waited to take them to the death camps. And the sidewalks were filled with French citizens who were looking on. And at one point, the young mother found herself at the edge of the crowd, near the side of the road. And suddenly, she made eye contact up ahead where a French woman was standing on the sidewalk. And as she drew near, Jane's mother suddenly said in a fierce whisper, take care of my baby. And in an instant, the French woman's coat opened. Jane was passed from one set of arms to another. The coat closed over Jane, and the mother and father continued down the street to disappear into the oblivion of the gas chambers. The woman with the coat quietly melted into the crowds, and she took Jane home. And she raised Jane as her own, and when Jane was old enough, she was told the story of her mother and father. And when Jane became an adult, she moved to western Massachusetts. And she chose an occupation that allowed her to serve others in need. And among those others were two members of my church, a woman named Sarah and her special needs daughter named Rachel. And whenever Sarah and Rachel were ever in need, the first person on their door, with open arms and with love, was Jane. When Jane's second mother opened her coat with the Nazis near at hand, when Jane's second mother opened her arms to receive that baby, when Jane's second mother took Jane and closed the coat, she was taking up her cross. And as Jane received such costly love from her second mother, she too was transformed. She was molded into someone for whom bearing a cross meant life and joy and love and peace. And here's the thing. Those arms that took that baby those were the arms of the crucified and risen and living Lord Jesus. And that baby that was passed in that moment, that was you. And that was me. So, Diane, the woman who wrote that prayer at the back of my church, wherever you are this morning, Diane, thank you for that prayer. Thank you, because all of us here at St. George's this morning, we're joining you in wrestling with all the separations in our lives. And right now, Diane, wherever you are, all of us here this morning want to invite you to join with us in walking together through this Lent. And we invite you, Diane, to do this in the sure and certain hope that at the end of this Lent, we are going to find, as we never have before, the arms of Jesus, wide open, 
to receive us in. So God bless every Diane sitting in the pews here this morning. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.